I'm going to try a second recording of this um, with less dramatic sound effects. Okay. I learned about that at Santa Barbara Writers Conference from my screenwriting teacher, Walter Halsey Davis. So the first recording, I put sound effects. I'm not going to put those this time. It's just going to be a straight reading of the text that's over in my blog at WordPress. Um, so here we go. I've really appreciated being able to record and then listen to my own writing back. It's incredibly helpful for writers to be able to do that. So NaNoWriMo, day four, newspaper people, chapter three, mistakes. It's only through the hardest lessons of life that you can be shaped and formed into what you will become. Nobody knows that at 22. It's also fresh and fine and full, and you're going to go to college because it will be the best time of your life. It's something you can't miss, and you must choose the right school. While I'm at it, choose a major you really love, because chances are that one won't be the job you get. If you declare the wrong major for you, it will be an uphill battle to claim something like studio art at work, especially if you work for a newspaper. I was a girl who sat in an iron cage in the lobby of a building where things hummed at night because in other parts of the building, people were getting the paper out. I think I worked something like five to nine in those times, just part-time, but I loved it there so much after what Mr. Sykes and Mr. Plett had done for me. In retrospect, I should have gone to them with the problem I was having, as they would have known what to do, because he kept calling every night. Every night the postcards arrived at Red Rose Way, black and whites that jarred the memory of everywhere we had been in Los Angeles on those photographic shoots we did. Behind my own lens, I photographed him. It seemed a way of keeping him at bay behind my lens, but the arrival every day of those made my heart glassine like the strips we kept negatives in, in those years. He did this to me, and I never want this to happen to you, because you will never get over it. Not ever. That's how I met Alan and Harold. I think they heard me crying in that little iron cage, because I did, nightly, after he hung up. My first relationship had ended for reasons that were different. Getting out of this new one, was going to be one of the hardest things I ever had to do, break that bond. To this day, I cannot stand to look at pictures of myself because of what he did with that camera. Besides, as artists, we like self-portraits best anyway. How can I explain the minefield that men were going to be? That's what it was. They rule the world, they always have, and they always will. You will meet good ones and bad ones. You will meet cheap ones. You will meet violent ones. You will meet poetic types. You will meet handsome ones. You will meet ugly ones. You will meet generous ones. You will meet sexy ones. You will meet shy ones. You will feel sorry for some of them. You will learn that you are a temple and it's very holy. You will meet men who have no idea what making love actually is. You will meet men who can't last. You will meet men who can't get one anymore. You will meet a whole generation of men who don't actually want to be fathers. 
Perhaps that is the saddest part of this tale. <coughs> I only met one with a soul so diseased that sometimes he looked like Satan to me. I only met pure evil once. I met some very evil men at that newspaper, but not in the earliest years, and not Alan, and not Harold, and not Jack, and not Eddie, and not any of the men in the press room, or any of the reporters. Harold's smile, his wit, his charm, Alan's cockiness with that English wit. Those two must have thought to themselves, how come that girl is crying? I can't remember if I told them or not. Every night, it was as if they came to check on me like angels, like Mr. Platt and Mr. Sykes had been. In my darkest moments in that cage, when I did not know what to do, and winter quarter 1981 had started, and I, who had been the A student, was suddenly getting D's and F's on everything, and when I would drive to school, I would think of crashing my car out on Ward Memorial, just so I could end it. Those two saved me, just like Henry had. Ellen had the prettiest girlfriend. She was petite and blonde and made the best little Christmas cookies ever. They were mini cheesecakes made with vanilla wafers in the bottom of muffin cups. They had cherries on top, just as pretty and delicate as she was. We had worked together in accounting with Rosie. Those were the days we were so very young, and we must have been so very much in love. I know we were, but maybe we were too young to discuss our personal lives yet. That comes later for women. I didn't know how to stop him. It's if he was a secret. I couldn't talk to anyone about him, and that was my first mistake. The panic attacks began with the postcards, and I had no idea what they were. I would get this terrible feeling as I was driving, kind of pins and needles in a way, and it would take over. I wasn't breathing. The hyperventilation would start in as I was driving to class. I was so frightened by these, I had no idea what was going on. Do you know what that pastor did to me? He took away all my sense of control. He had me pinned to a wall in a cage I could not escape. The phone kept ringing and ringing and ringing, and I had to answer it, because that was my job. The postcards kept coming to Red Rose Way, like affirmations of love. It wasn't love. It was never love. To begin to unpack my hatred of him for what he did to me is a secret I've had to hold on to for 40 years. He was responsible for my having the panic attack. There are two types of men in this world, good ones and evil ones. They will all try to bed you if you are beautiful. So I decided to become like them. I decided I would bed them. I needed to erase him. It's a very long process when you're going to erase a man, especially one you are madly in love with. Alan and Harold would come out to check on me and shoot the breeze with jokes, and I loved them. 
I sat in that cage and pulled the biggest, fanciest electric typewriter I could find. Because they were all on rolling tables then, everywhere in the building. Because the building was built of words, thousands of words, and thousands of figures typing those words over to my little cage and began to write my first papers for arts and letters, which is what I had declared. Every day I read the paper cover to cover. It had everything in it. It had stories. It had the town in its palm, and I belonged to that. I belonged to something so much bigger than myself. I had made new friends there. He was going to recede. I had my little electric typewriter at home. I was taking poetry. I was learning to compose lines. The phone never rang at night unless it had been raining and people were full of rage that they had a soggy paper. Otherwise, it was him standing on some cold corner in the city of Los Angeles in a filthy phone booth, dialing, calling me. And I was typing. I was a girl that lived on a street called Red Rose Way, taking poetry from Edgar Bowers. who lived in one of the little houses facing the sea at Miramar Beach. There weren't too many of us in his class. The girl sitting next to me, I shall never forget the first lines of something she did, a poem on marriage. This is how she began. It waited for me like a cotton cloud. The poem was about a wedding cake, and as I recall, she didn't want that cake. Then again, all of us were only 22. And what did we exactly know about life at that age? My bed was about to become a cotton cloud for the bodies of the men who wanted to bed me. I did favors for two of them. One, a 19-year-old who begged me to show him how. He was heading off to medical school that fall, and he told me he wanted to know how so he could get a girlfriend. So we worked together there. He wrote me a letter. I probably still have it around here somewhere, in all these pages and papers and boxes that say a life was lived here. That I just happen to have. Can I carry your books for you, begged the TA who tried. He liked that pretty flowery dress I designed. He used to actually follow me and pop up out of thin air. You think that you know the lives of women if you are a man. You don't. You started with your mother, and she was your template. Then everyone you ever bedded, maybe it was just one. My heart locked itself behind doors made of corten steel after what he did to me. When the sculptor ran after me down the street, I turned to look into that rugged face. There was something about his weldings and colors and his pseudo mother wells that I liked. I had Diebenkorn up on my wall, right next to Klimt's The Kiss. My generation, the generation who were the most romantic people in the world, had their hearts broken. Nearly all of us have had this. Lucky the few who escaped alive. I never want you to be as dumb as I was at 22. If you ever meet a person who is making you have panic attacks, get out.
no matter what it takes. All right, that was day four. Uh, copyright Adrian Wilson in NaNoWriMo. It's up over in my WordPress blog, and the writing went super well today. So see you guys tomorrow. Go Rhymos!